You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. life is found in complete submission to Jesus Christ. Complete submission to Him is where we get our power source. You got to lose connection? Get connected to the power source. Get connected to the power source and you will receive the power that you need to live the Christian life. When we look at Jesus' relationship to the Father, we see our own relation to Him in the same way. So just as the Father initiates, Jesus initiates things in our lives. When you're using a laptop, you can coast along okay for a few hours on the battery, but at some point, you come to a place where you have to plug it into the power source, and without doing that, your computer dies. Today, Pastor Dave is saying that you can be the same way if you're not connected to Jesus. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 5, as he begins his message, I can do nothing of myself. continuing in our series of the claims of Jesus and this is part three in that series but it's basically where Jesus declares I can do nothing of myself so we're going to be studying one verse today John 5 specifically verse 30 so hopefully you have found your way there let's read I'll read aloud if you would follow along silently please chapter 5 verse 30 Jesus is speaking. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. So the question I have to ask is, do you find yourself lacking power to live the Christian life? Are you struggling in some way where you lack the power to live the life that Christ wants us to live, the Christian life, we call it. Are you struggling because you don't have that power? Let me tell you a story. It's a story about a missionary who went to serve in a foreign country. And while he was there, he became very grateful that a family there gave him a car to use as he was in this foreign country. But there was a small problem with the car. The engine didn't start all the time. You had to use jumper cables to keep it started. So he would do this from time to time. He got tired of doing this, so he always made it a point to park on a hill. He would get into the car, take off the emergency brake, and as the car rode down the hill, he'd pop the clutch and the car would start. Pretty ingenious, if you ask me. Wherever he went, he parked on a hill. I don't know what he did when there wasn't a hill, but whenever he went, he popped the clutch. He did this for two years. Time came for him to go home. Time for him to go back to his country. But he wanted to bless another missionary who just came, so he gave him the car. And as he was telling the new missionary about the car, the new missionary looked at him and said, did you ever look under the hood? 
no, I never looked under the hood. So they inspected the engine. They lifted up and they inspected the engine, and they guess what? They found something wrong. There was a loose connection with the battery. There was a loose connection with the battery. So upon giving it a little twist, a little pull, a little tug and tightening, the car started right away. The problem was the connection. The connection wasn't to the power source. Connection wasn't to the power source. So you might be asking, why in the same snot did you tell us that, David? Well, there is a spiritual application. There is a spiritual application. Sometimes we tend to keep our Christian lives going on just like the missionary kept his car going, with our own human ingenuity, with our own flesh, with our own desires. We keep it going. Instead of being connected to the power source, we keep things moving along on our own efforts. And if you become worn out by keeping your engine running, by keeping your power source, you find out that there might just be a loose connection. Maybe today you're here because there's a loose connection. Notice I didn't say loose screw. <laughs> didn't say anything like that. I'm saying loose connection. Maybe there is a loose connection. We learn from Jesus' example. Just like he could do nothing in and of himself, but only did what the Father was doing, we too can do absolutely nothing of ourselves. We must be connected to the power source. We must be connected to him. And we're going to show you how in today's verses. If you've just joined us, we have been studying Jesus' response to the religious leaders who came against him for healing a layman on the Sabbath day. They're coming against him. They want to kill him. He responded to them by making them crazy. He responded to them by claiming that, number one, he was equal with God. He called God my father. This incest them. This drove them nuts. And then he said he had the authority to not only raise the dead, but to give judgment. And this authority had also been given to him by my father. And now they not only wanted to kill him because he broke the Sabbath, but they wanted to kill him because he committed blasphemy, saying that he was equal with God. The religious leaders found Jesus' statements preposterous, utterly ridiculous. They thought to themselves, only a babbling idiot would make these claims. Only someone with a screw loose, there you go, would make these claims. Only someone who didn't understand what was going on, because this was blasphemy in the highest form. To declare yourself equal with God. Having the same attributes, having the same characteristic, this was just plain crazy. But in our verse, Jesus wants to drive home a point. He really wants to drive home this point. He wants the religious leaders to know that he and the Father are equal in every single way. Jesus and the Father are one. So what does he do? He basically repeats something that he's already said. Now, I've always been taught, if Jesus said it's one, you have to pay attention to it. But if Jesus says it twice, you really better start paying attention to it. And if he says it three times, well, you know how it goes. Look at verse 19 in the same chapter, chapter 5. Look at verse 19. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Father, the Son does in like manner. So you can see a similarity here. Jesus is basically saying the same thing. 
I can do nothing of myself. I can do nothing of myself. So verse 30 basically then becomes a summary of everything from 19 down to 29. Where Jesus is full equality with God the Father and being sent by God the Father. This is what he's declaring in these verses. He has the power to judge. He has the power to raise the dead. But his power was fully dependent on the Father. And that's key to what we're going to try to talk about. His power was fully dependent on the Father. Fully dependent. He says, I can do nothing of myself. I only do what the Father tells me to do. I only do what the Father, and say what the Father tells me to say. I only do what he's doing, say what he's saying. I don't come from my will. I'm not seeking my own will. I'm seeking the will of the Father. When Jesus walked upon the earth, you have to understand that he was the person of the Godhead that man could relate to on earth at that time. Jesus came to represent God to man and to give man a way to get to God. He came to represent man to God and to get man in God's arms. And he did that wonderfully. You know the scripture where he says to the disciple Philip, Philip, he who has seen me has seen the Father. I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. Jesus was God in the flesh upon the earth. And throughout the Gospels, throughout the Gospels, all four of them, we see that the disciples struggle with this. They struggle with this concept even themselves. They struggle with it. But over time, over time, imagine what started going through their head. Imagine this is what started to clarify in their head as over time they came to realize that as they were walking down the road beside Jesus, they were really taking a stroll with God. When Jesus placed his hand upon their shoulder, it was God who was touching them. When they saw Jesus' compassion for the sick, when they saw his compassion for the hurting, they got a glimpse of the heart of God. When they heard Jesus speak, they were hearing God's words, God's own very words coming to them. And when they saw Jesus drive out the money changers, they saw a determination of God to purify man to take man out of the religious box and bring him into a full relationship with him, God the Father. Why? So then God could wrap his arms around him in a loving and wonderful way. They saw that. They started to realize that. And then finally, they saw Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. They saw him weeping over Jerusalem because Jesus knew that the Jews would reject him. The Jews wouldn't accept him. The Jews would not accept him as Messiah. They wouldn't accept the salvation that God wanted to give them through Jesus Christ. And they saw God's heart break. They watched this. Another critical point that we need to make. They also saw Jesus being obedient to the Father in every way. He was obedient to God in every single way. The Apostle Paul tells us that Jesus, being in the form of God, didn't think it robbery to be equal with God. And that was starting at the highest point. Jesus started at the pinnacle. He was at the pinnacle, sitting on the right hand of God the Father. He was in the throne room when creation began. In fact, if you read John 1, 3, it says, All things were made through him, Jesus, and without him nothing was made that was made. Can you imagine? Before the foundations of the world, Jesus 
made the choice to obey the Father. Before the foundation of the world, Jesus made the choice to obey the Father. God knew that his creation, man, would sin. God knew that his creation, man, would fall short of his glory. God knew that the creation, man, would come into trouble and need a way back. And Jesus was the one that said, here I am, send me. Send me. So what did he do? He took on human form. He came to earth and fashioned himself as a man. He humbled himself and was obedient unto death, even death on the cross. He suffered humiliation. He suffered degradation. He suffered cursing. He suffered all this humiliation and all these things that were thrown at him, the scourging, the crown of thorns, everything that was thrown at him. He suffered it silently as a lamb to slaughter. He suffered it silently. And this was the lowest point. The lowest point that Jesus could get was during that time. During that time when he was suffering for us, when he was hanging on the cross, it was the lowest point that Jesus could possibly get. He went from the highest of highs, the highest depths, the throne room of God, down to the lowest depths, being hung on a cross to die, like a common criminal. The highest of highs. He did that so that he could redeem us to God. And he did it willingly. He did it willingly. He did it willingly from the riches of glory to poverty. Even being born in a manger, a stinky stable, the lowest of low. He did that willingly. He did it for your sake. He did it for my sake. He did it for the world's sake. He did it for those who were going to cuss him who were going to spit upon him, those who hated him, those who rejected him in every way. And he was willing to go and do the same thing for those who today reject him, today who those who cuss him, those who spit upon him, those who hate his name. He did it for them too. He was willing to go for the sake of the whole world because he needed to show the world the Father's love. And he did that by going to a cross. Because on the cross, he showed the world perfectly the Father's love. For God so loved. Jesus came to earth. He had no program to follow. He didn't have an agenda. He didn't have anything. He had a vision. But the vision was singular, the cross. That was his vision. And like a flint, he faced the cross and went to the cross. He never advanced his own thoughts. He didn't come to do his will. He came to do the Father's will. I don't seek my own. I seek the Father's will. He had complete submission to the Father, and this is where he got his power. His power came because he was completely submitted to the Father and allowed the Father to work through him. So as Jesus could do nothing apart from the Father, then we have to bring it now to our application we then can do nothing apart from Jesus Christ. Because in John 15, 5, John writes these words in 15, 5. Jesus speaking, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. You can do nothing without me, Jesus says. Without me you can do nothing. The power to live the Christian life is found in complete submission to Jesus Christ. Amen. Complete submission to him is where we get our power source. You got to lose connection? 
Get connected to the power source. Get connected to the power source, and you will receive the power that you need to live the Christian life. When we look at Jesus' relationship to the Father, we see our own relation to him in the same way. So just as the Father initiates, Jesus initiates things in our lives. And just as the Father sends, Jesus sends us. Just as the Father gives us a, a word to Jesus, Jesus gives us his word. As the Father commands, Jesus' commands. As the Father gave Jesus authority, Jesus has given us authority to go, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus has this authority. We then submit to him. Just like Jesus was totally submitted to the Father, we then submit to Jesus. And remember that if you're submitting to Jesus, you are submitting to the Father. If you're submitting to Jesus, you are submitting to the Father. We subject ourselves to Him. We submit to Him. We respond to His commands. We obey and perform that which He's doing through our lives, through the Holy Spirit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Do you have this underlined in your Bible, folks? I have to have it in mind. I've got an underline in mind, I'll tell you why. So many times, I try to do things my own way. So many times I try to do things my own way, and man, have I failed miserably every time that happens. I failed, and I keep wondering, when is this thing ever going to sink into my heart and become true? That I might realize that apart from Jesus, I can do absolutely nothing. It's futile for me to even try, but yet we constantly try banging our heads against the wall until they bleed. See, any service that's directed towards God that is not done by the Spirit is worthless. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now you might want to argue me. You're going to say, well, Dave, wait a minute. You just said, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And now you're saying that any uh, service towards God not directed by the Holy Spirit is worthless. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Well, I'm really glad you asked that question. For 30-some-odd years, Jesus was alive. But for three years, he taught his disciples. He gave them commands. Love God with all your heart. Love each other. Love your neighbor as yourself. But before he went to the cross, before he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, he gave his disciples one of the biggest commands that they needed to know. He told his disciples that he would hereafter direct all their activities in a new way. He was going to direct all their activities in a new way. Jesus said that now their guide was going to be someone different. It was going to be someone different. He would now direct and guide their activities by the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit. He told them that when the Spirit would come, John 14, 16. And Jesus, let's look at that. John 14, 16. And I pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Another helper. Jesus specifically used the word allos for another. And in the Greek, allos means exactly the same. What Jesus was saying is, God's going to send another. God's going to send another. Just like God sent me, God's going to send another. He's going to be just like me and the Father. Just like me and the Father. And he said that if I go away, you're going to have an advantage. I have to go for you to have this advantage, he said. 
He promised that if he sent the Holy Spirit they, when he departed, that there would be an advantage. He meant that the present work of the Holy Spirit would actually be better for them than his work then. He said, the Holy Spirit, you're going to do better things. You're going to see better things. The Holy Spirit. Why? Well, first and foremost, the biggest reason why is that so that Jesus could be with every believer at every time. If Jesus was still on earth in bodily form, because of his human body, he would be limited to where he could be. He couldn't be everywhere. And I don't know about you, but if he wasn't with me, I'd be upset. And I'd be mad at you because he was with you instead of me. So Jesus said, I'm going to solve this problem, pal. God's going to send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's going to come to each and every one of you as you accept Jesus Christ. He's going to come in you because that's the second verse in John um, 14. In 14, 16, 17. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper, remember Allos, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. He's coming and he's going to be in you. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit comes in you. He's with the world, convicting the world of righteousness, of sin, and of judgment. But Jesus said, this is for your benefit. I'm going to go away, and I'm going to give you something that's going to benefit you, because I will be with you forever. How else could he said, wherever two or three are gathered, I appear in their midst? He appears in the presence of the Holy Spirit. If Jesus were body present in human form, many of us would be upset because he wasn't with us. This is an advantage of you. Even David wrote, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Everywhere I go, you're there. So the Spirit is everywhere now. Everywhere. And it's better now because we have a more trusting relationship in God. If Jesus was here bodily on earth, it would be an enormous challenge to our walk. Why? Because we wouldn't need faith. He would be there. I would see him. You know, the scripture says, now abide faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Why does it say that? Because faith is going to fade away when I see Jesus face to faith. I don't need faith anymore. My hope is going to be gone when I see Jesus face to face. There's no longer hoping in him. But the one thing that's going to remain forever is love. His love will remain forever and wash over me continually. Wash over me continually. God wants us to walk by faith, not by sight. If Jesus was here today, we would be looking at him, watching in him. And don't get me wrong, that would be a good thing. But we wouldn't be walking by faith. We wouldn't be walking by faith. We would be walking by sight. Jesus was here today, it would be confusing to us. Is he still suffering? Is he still hurting? I thought he came down from the cross. I thought he rose from the dead. Why is he still here? Is he still suffering? It might be difficult. I thought the work on the cross was finished. Why is he still here? We would be confused. We would think that he was unsympathetic. He doesn't know what we feel, how we feel. God doesn't want you to struggle with this dilemma today. So Jesus is no longer here. He's enthroned in heaven on the right hand of God the Father. The book of John covers Jesus' life and ministry here on earth, but the book begins long before Jesus was born in a manger. He existed with God the Father from the start. So many other religions have some figure they look to or commemorate, but none of those mere men accomplished what Jesus did. 
Jesus came as a man and died, but then he came back to life because he's God. No other man can claim that remarkable feat. Only God could do this, and therefore, the only true one to follow is Jesus. What might be holding you back today in believing all that God says he is and does? If you have some questions you'd like answered, we'd be happy to try and answer these questions or pray with you about what's weighing on your heart. Please don't hesitate to call us at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609 609- 884-5821. Keep looking to scripture for answers and know that we care about the journey you're on. We're so glad you tuned in to A Sure Hope today. You can hear more messages like this one from Pastor Dave at our website. Just click on the messages tab when you visit assurehoperadio.com. We'd love to meet you too. Find out how you can join us for worship at Calvary Chapel Cape May by visiting assurehoperadio.com. You'll also find us on Facebook and YouTube. Links for both are at assurehoperadio.com. There's more to learn from the book of John next time, so be sure to join us again on another edition of A Sure Hope.